back to the Advanced Sports Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Gibson. I'm also the lead data scientist at ASA. And we've got for you a primer leading into week two of the NFL, uh, looking at the Sunday main slate. Um, I'm solo this week, just going to run through quickly, uh, position by position, pointing out some of the plays that uh, we've been liking, maybe some opportunities to fade, and uh, hopefully helping you get to uh, you know positive ROI here in week two. Um, so we're going to start at the top of quarterback and, uh, you know, looking at the top of the, uh, you know, salary chart, we got Patrick Mahomes, um, all the way up at seven, five, uh, he's up a little bit from last week and, um, yeah, I mean, put together a strong week one and has, I think what should be a pretty strong matchup, uh, against Oakland. And yeah, I, th- I do think he's in a good spot. Um, with the price hike though, I mean, I do think there's probably a little better value for me um just kind of below him um and then towards the bottom of the pricing tier uh one guy who's uh, right below jackson is uh, i'm sorry right below mahomes is lamar jackson who we saw really explode in week one um for five touchdowns uh, i only think he threw like three incompletions on the day and uh yeah i mean his price is way up from week one uh talked about Jackson a little bit on the ASA Roto-Grinders show and kind of what we're expecting from him moving forward and um, I think he's kind of a tough guy to uh, you know figure out what, what we're going to get from him uh, obviously had a great matchup last week against Miami which uh, can't be playing every week but he does draw a great matchup against Arizona I mean Arizona is a team that is going to pick up the pace and you know hopefully give Jackson uh, a little boost in his kind of uh, just overall usage. However, I don't think the efficiency we saw Jackson play at is replicable. Um, I mean, he last Sunday was just at a insane uh, per drop back efficiency that we've never really seen from him in his short career. Um, and while I do think it's reasonable to think he has improved in the offseason, um, last Sunday, I mean, he averaged over one and a half fantasy points, DraftKings points per drop back. Uh, he's only topped one uh, DraftKings points per drop back in a week in his entire career. And um, that was, you know, in a short kind of small, like six drop back game where he was probably uh, not the primary quarterback in games where he's had significant drop backs. I mean, the guy's never uh, gotten over really five fantasy points per drop back. So, I, I mean, I just, there's no way we can expect the efficiency we saw out of him uh, last Sunday. That being said, I mean, I do think Jackson uh, all along has been a guy we expect to gain value through his legs. And on Sunday, we didn't see him do any of that. Uh, he didn't take any any scramble attempts on any of his dropbacks and only got the call on 3% of Baltimore's design run plays. Um, historically, those metrics are a lot higher for him where he's usually scrambling about 10% of his dropbacks. Um, and featuring more prominently in Baltimore's run game by design. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think Jackson is a fine play this week and uh, a really quite strong play, I mean, given the, the matchup and uh, just the floor he's going to have due to his legs. Um, quite high on Jackson uh, in cash games and in tournaments. Uh, moving down the line, Deshaun Watson right below Jackson. Uh you know, has a strong matchup against the Jaguars. The Texans are big favorites, um, but I do expect them to be throwing the ball a lot uh, without a super established run game. I, I do think that's going to kind of be their MO uh, this year. And, you know, we saw Patrick Mahomes really light up Jacksonville 
uh, last week. I don't think there's any reason to believe that Sean Watson can't follow suit. He looks really strong uh, Monday night against the Saints. And similar to Jackson, although maybe with not quite the um, you know frequency that Jackson does it, but you know Watson can't produce with his legs. We saw him on Monday get a rushing touchdown. I think Jacksonville is a good opportunity for uh, you know Watson to produce produce some uh, fantasy points through his legs and also through the air. Uh, another guy worth calling out, Tom Brady, uh, kind of towards the top of the quarterback, uh, you know, pricing sheet. Uh, I mean, Brady, unlike some of the guys we mentioned, not going to do anything with his legs, but the uh, pitchers just have an insane projected point total. Um, one of the ASA tools that I rely on a lot is just a probability projection of each team being the top scoring team on the slate. I mean, I think it's a really good place to start, especially uh, you know, for tournament plays where you're trying to kind of figure out which stacks are, uh, you know, have the most potential to support like big games and, and quarterbacks a position, I think more so than any other position that just correlates so strongly with the point total of the team. The Patriots right now are projected at 23% probability uh, to top the slate in terms of just real football points scored. Um, I know that doesn't sound high. I mean, not even a one in four shot, but given, uh, you know, that we have, what, like 13 games uh, or on the slate, or I guess 12, uh, I mean, a, a quarter chance of being the top team on the slate is just so, uh, you know, just, I think, a really good spot for Brady. Um, you know, I do, I, I kind of, coming into the week, was, like, super high on Brady. Um, I mean, I do have concerns. We saw, like, Jackson get pulled against Miami um, if you know, New England pulls away in a big way, you know, I do have some concerns about maybe, uh, you know, bench risk for Brady. And, um, you know, if we could only, you know, if we only end up getting like three or three and a half quarters out of him, uh, there are some concerns there. Um, but yeah, I think Brady's a strong play, um, and, and has some interesting stacking options from, from a tournament standpoint as well. Right below Brady, we've got Dak Prescott at six, three on DraftKings. Um, very strong week one for Prescott, um, and and part of that part of that could be due to the uh, new offensive coordinator Dallas Kellen Moore, who uh, there's been a lot of buzz around um, it potentially having a big impact on the Dallas offense and, and maybe kind of uh, you know initiating uh, Dak Prescott and really turning him you know or helping him kind of reach his ceiling as, you know, a quarterback and and probably a fantasy quarterback as well. Um, week one, we saw O.C. Kellen Moore run a pretty balanced attack, about 50-50 split run pass. Uh, you know, they got up on New York early, and I think that game flow kind of dictated that uh, run pass split. Uh, but we did see in the past attempts that, you know, Dallas was making, they were really making an effort to push the ball downfield. Uh a dot in week one of 9.4 uh, yards per target, and uh, you know th- that ranks quite well. I mean, uh, we we see some uh, more noted offense coordinators like Dirk Cutter, Todd Monken, who have kind of been living in that uh, mid nines uh, A dot range, and you know they they've been really I think effective OCs for their quarterbacks from a fantasy perspective. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see what Dak can do uh, this week. Also looks like a potentially kind of blowout matchup for the. Uh, Cowboys, where you know maybe Dak's upside could be limited, uh, just given kind of the volume we expect from him, and if and if you know the Dallas offense does return to this kind of even balanced approach when playing from ahead, 
but um, I mean, if Dallas can, or if uh, Washington can keep it close, I mean, I do think that opens up uh, Dak for some a lot of uh, you know downfield opportunities, and and also just moving forward, uh, you know, in future weeks, I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, to see if this uh, downfield approach of Kellen Moore continues. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be. If so, it could be really big for Dak uh, moving forward. So it's a play I'm, I'm very excited for. Um, this week, you know, a little a little uh, cool on him just given the price and uh, the matchup that could result in kind of a balanced Dallas attack. But uh, definitely got to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, going to slide to the mid-range. Uh, I don't know, Breeze, Rivers. Rivers especially not doing much for me uh, just given some of the injuries that uh, we're seeing in the... Los Angeles receiving core. Uh, I think his options are going to be a little limited, and just Los Angeles, typically a slow-paced team. Detroit as well. So I don't know. I just don't see that uh, being a game that just opens up a lot of volume uh, for Rivers, and uh, yeah, a little bearish on him uh, coming to week two. Some guys in the mid-tier that I am intrigued by: Jared Goff and Ben Roethlisberger. Both I think had subpar week ones. Uh, we'll see if that drives down ownership a little bit, but I mean. Both guys, I think, are very like viable tournament plays. Um, I was looking, uh, you know, building some of my tournament lineups, kind of uh, comparing their distributions to uh, like a guy like Prescott. And I mean, it, it is pretty impressive. Golf and Roethlisberger do historically in the last year, uh, you know, have had access to, uh, you know, really really high upside games. And I think from a tournament perspective, uh, that 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 uh, could be really intriguing uh, they do have the ability to kind of touch that high 30 point mark which uh, until last week a guy like Prescott didn't really have um, so if we're looking at tournaments uh, just just given uh, ownership might be off some of those guys given their week one kind of duds yeah I'm definitely intrigued by, by what uh, they can provide and, and you know I think provide some good options if you don't want to pay up for uh, kind of one of the top four uh, price quarterbacks like Brady, Watson, Jackson, or Mahomes. I do think this is a week where there's some interesting low-end plays. Uh, one that I like, you know, a, a, as a as a tournament play, as a cash play, and that's Josh Allen. Um, we saw Jackson blow up last week, I mean, on a per, uh, per drop back and, uh, you know, per rushing attempt, Metrics. I mean, Allen. Allen's metrics are, or Allen's efficiency is really not that far behind what we see with Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, he he's a guy that will run frequently, is an effective runner, um, and also really pushes the ball downfield uh, with his arm. And I mean, I definitely think that leads to a lot of mistakes and probably some like real football inefficiencies of Josh Allen. But from a fantasy perspective, I mean, I think the guy has a really compelling mix of aggressive passing and, and and you know fearlessness running the ball especially in the red zone and um yeah i mean given you know buffalo's lack of kind of a clear running back uh i mean i could see allen just being their de facto goal line running back um i wouldn't be surprised you know if he uh leads their team in in rushing touchdowns uh this year or uh, I mean even leads in rushing yards I mean we'll see kind of what happens uh, with with uh, you know Frank Gore and Devin Singletary but uh, 
yeah, I mean, the guy really does it all, uh, and sometimes that results in some interceptions for sure. But, um, I mean, his ability to push the ball downfield and run, I think, are really compelling at 5-3. And, um, yeah, he's a guy I um, I think makes a lot of sense as kind of an upside play in tournaments, but also a high floor play given his running ability and cash. <clears throat> Stafford, I mean, I'm a little intrigued with. Um, I mean, just, you know, he does have kind of the ability to sometimes put up big games, but as with Rivers, I mean, I could see this being a pretty slow-paced game where both teams are just trying to run the ball and, uh, you know, run as few plays as possible. So I don't know if there's huge upside there. Um, you can hear a lot of buzz about Derek Carr. Um, he looks really strong in Week 1, and the Raiders team as a whole kind of benefits from the Monday, uh, you know, pricing just... You know that that situation where pricing come out comes out before the Monday night games and uh, you know isn't responsive to how players perform Monday. Derek Carr looked really good, um, and he's been strong against KC in the past at home, um, but he has also struggled against them at Kansas City. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm a little uh, you know more bearish on Carr than the market. I, I would suspect. Um, I don't know, I just feel like what we saw Monday was kind of a ceiling game for, for that Raiders offense as a whole, and uh, especially if ownership is going to be really high on Carr. I mean, I'd much rather pay up a little bit more to get to Josh Allen um, or even pay down uh, for a guy like Marcus Mariota, who is limited in his ability to push the ball downfield, but... Um, I mean, I do think is an interesting tournament play. He's going to have, I would guess, next to no ownership. And, um, yeah, I mean, the price with him is really low. And as we discussed with Brady, I'm trying to find quarterbacks who, uh, you know, have the ability to just be a part of a high-scoring game environment. And uh, Tennessee is actually, you know, more projectable uh, from a scoring standpoint than some other teams that I would expect to be. Uh, high scoring, they actually are ahead of Oakland in terms of probability of being the top scoring team on the slate. So I'm a little intrigued by Mariota. I, I am struggling a little bit with kind of what you know stacks I might want to run with Mariota. I think with him, you are uh, definitely going to be dependent on him. You know, getting almost all of Tennessee's touchdowns either through the air, hopefully finding one on the ground. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he's you know an interesting play given his price point and uh, just expected ownership on him, I'm expecting to be quite low. Okay, moving on to running back. Um, we've got no McCaffrey on the slate. Um, so, you know, we're kind of missing one of those top-tier elite running backs. Uh, so we're headed up by Saquon Barkley, who had a strong week one. Um, I think with him, kind of the issue is going to be can New York stay in games to uh, you know keep him in the game plan and I do think Buffalo presents an opportunity for them to do so um, just given Josh Allen's propensity to turn the ball over uh, yeah I think it's actually a pretty strong matchup for, for Barkley and and I'll, obviously his in involvement in the pass game uh, definitely gives him playability across a couple different game scripts so um you know, I think I think Barkley's a strong play. I, I I would be a little more inclined to uh, if I am going with one of the elite running backs, looking down a thousand dollars at Alvin Kamara, who also benefited from the, uh, you know, Monday 
non-impact on pricing for this week. And he looks really strong against Houston uh, and just figures to be like Barkley, a guy who factors into the run game and the pass game for New Orleans. Uh, and then just given, I think, the matchup, uh, you know, I'm hoping Los Angeles can keep that game close and Kamara's a guy that New Orleans would just have to lean on to stay in the game. Uh, wedged between Kamara and uh, Barkley, this is Ezekiel Elliott, who, uh, I don't know, I, I think just like given the... Um, you know, Dallas is kind of, we saw in week one easing him into, uh, you know, their offense. I, I do have some concerns about Elliott's volume, and uh, especially if Dallas is able to get up on Washington early. Uh, I do think it could be an opportunity for the Dallas offense to limit his, his touches and kind of just continue to ease him in, uh, and, and avoid doing, and avoid, you know, putting unnecessary touches on him early in the season in a game that's, you know, out of contention. Uh, I mean, Dalvin Cook, we saw the big week last week. I don't know. I mean, he, he just with the price up so much and, uh, you know, given how great his matchup was last week, uh, I don't know. I'm not that interested in really any of these guys cook through Johnson, uh, James Connor. I mean, he, uh, didn't do much week one and Pittsburgh got down big and, uh, just running the ball wasn't really part of their game plan. But uh, last year, I mean, we saw the guy have access to, uh, you know, point totals in the 30s. And uh, hopefully if Pittsburgh can kind of uh, stay in this game more and maybe even jump ahead uh, against Seattle at home, uh, you know, I think Connor's a guy not not to, uh, to sleep on. And uh, especially, you know, if you're thinking about running Big Ben, like, uh, you know, we didn't really see Jalen Samuels factor into the pass game in a big way in week one. And Connor, uh, you know, is actually more prominent pass catcher than Samuels last week. And uh, yeah, I think there is kind of an opportunity to get a little weird with like a quarterback running back stack between Big Ben and Connor. So definitely interested in Connor uh, to some extent. Um, injury news regarding Joe Mixon. Uh, I think he's a guy I'm going to keep my eye on, not because I want to play, but because I want to play Gio Bernard if Mixon is out. Uh, if Mixon's in, I, I think there's going to be too much of a split there for me to be too interested in either of those guys. But uh, in the past, Gio's really been freed up by, by Mixon injuries. So definitely something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Carson and Fournette, uh, both kind of similarly pr- priced guys. Uh, Carson had a great week one. Uh, figured, or you know, was in the passing game a little more than we've seen in, in the previous year. Uh, Leonard Fournette had a high volume game, but but really the efficiency wasn't there. And that's kind of something we've seen from Fournette in the past is uh, even if he is projectable for huge volume, his, his per touch efficiency is, is really quite bad. And um, I definitely have concerns there and might be a little more intrigued uh, by, you know, paying up for a guy like Connor or, or coming down from Fournette to uh, Austin Eckler, who absolutely smashed in week one. And um, I think that, uh, you know, he, he's just really in a great spot with where he, fi- you know, figures in the Los Angeles offense. Uh, you know, similar to guys like Kamara or Barkley, uh, he does feel in a way kind of uh, game script independent. I mean, he, he's an effective runner and pass catcher. Um, so he, he does seem to have kind of lower risk in my mind, uh, you know, as a guy who, who can get it done in a couple of different game environments. And, 
at six one. We saw we seen uh, we seen his price come up a little bit from last week, or a significant amount from last week. But um, I mean, just given the volume we could project for him and the efficiency he's shown, I, I don't really know if that price hike is even enough. Um, so I'm really interested in Austin Eckler. I think he's one of the premier uh, value plays yet again uh, on, on on the slate. Two guys that that did really well last week: Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry. I think. Um, you know, both in run-oriented offenses. Uh, Derrick Henry worked last week, and I, I kind of had him as a contrarian play in some tournaments. But I don't know. In hindsight, I mean, I don't. I didn't really expect that Tennessee game to go the way it did, and I think Henry benefited in a big way from that, and also, you know, just had a big had a big play, which I mean, he's shown the propensity to do. I think Indy proves a pretty tough defense, and. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I see it with Derrick Henry this week, um, but but his big playability certainly makes him, I think, viable in some tournament lineups. If you uh, kind of want to look for a off the board guy, I, I would expect Henry's ownership to be, uh, you know, a little low. Certainly below guys like Eckler, Sonny Michelle, Fournette, etc. Uh, Mark Ingram smash last week. Uh, on pretty limited workload just given how quickly Baltimore was able to put the game away. And yeah, I like Ingram again this week. Um, Baltimore's OC, Brian Sh- uh I'm sorry, not Brian Scheinheimer, uh, Greg Roman, very run heavy, and I think they're going to try to establish the run again against Arizona, who is also who's going to be trying to enforce an up-tempo uh, pace, and, and we'll see kind of which team is able to control the pace of the game Uh I expect Baltimore to succeed. I mean, I think they have a strong offense and um, you know, and defense. And I mean, I could just see Ingram being in line for for a really heavy workload. And and you know, his efficiency is really quite good. Uh, you know, he's not uh, just a one dimensional running back like Henry. Uh, he fact he can factor into the pass game. Uh, you know, in a prominent way. Um, yeah, the guy just gets the job done, so I'm definitely interested in Mark Ingram in cash and tournaments. Um, other guys to keep your eyes on kind of as we move into this mid-tier range, uh, Gio Bernard, Matt Breida, and, and then also sliding down to uh, Chris Thompson. There are some injuries going around uh, teams. Breida in line to draw the start, Chris Thompson in line to be the pass-catching pass backup uh, behind AP. Um yeah, I like both these guys. I mean, I think for the price, I might be a little more interested in Chris Thompson. I think uh, it's reasonable to think that that Dallas-Washington game could get out of hand, and uh, you know, Washington might be forced into uh, kind of a pass-heavy offense, which I think favors Chris Thompson, especially in PPR formats. And Gio, Mar- Gio Bernard, I um, absolutely love if Joe Mixon is out. I mean, his... Uh, his efficiency, his ability to catch the ball, uh, I think, are well documented, and um, you know, being able to project him for a full workload, uh, he'd be a really compelling play. We'll see. I think I saw uh, Mixon was a limited participant today on Friday. Uh, this is his first time practicing all week, so I don't know. We'll see. It, it seems like at this point it's kind of a 50-50 whether or not he goes out there on limited uh, week of practice or, or gets held out. Uh, but if he does, definitely interested in Geo. 
just below Geo and Brita, backup, another backup, uh, James White, who could f- figure prominently into the Patriots' offense, especially if they get ahead early and kind of remove Sony Michelle uh, from heavy usage in the New England offense. Uh, I mean, his pass catching ability makes him really compelling in PPR. And yeah, I'm definitely interested in that play there. And the last guy I want to touch on, Josh Jacobs, uh, down at 4.7. You know, benefited again from kind of the Monday uh, price, uh, you know, gap. And yes, I mean, severely underpriced. We saw him get just so much of the Oakland uh, run duties. And I think it's reasonable to expect the same from him uh, in week two against Kansas City in terms of a rush temp market share. I am a little concerned with Jacobs. I mean, we didn't really get the opportunity to see it against Denver, but. you know, I, I do want to see Jacobs featured in the past game to, to really have a bunch of confidence in him. Uh, you know, Casey, I think, is a team that could put Oakland in the rearview mirror pretty quickly, even without Tyreek Hill. And um, I don't know, in previous years, Oakland has really relied heavily on Jalen Richard uh, in the passing game. Uh, so, you know, definitely something to think about. And, um, you know, consider that you know there could be potential avenues to poor game scripts for Josh Jacobs, but at the price four seven, um, you know, there's really no other backs who are going to get the workload that that he's projected for uh, at that price range. So uh, definitely strong play, um, uh, but you know, I do expect him to be very high ownership, uh, potentially the most owned running back on the slate. Uh, so. Um, yeah, I mean, given you know, in cash, I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, I am interested though in exploring, uh, you know, fading Josh Josh Jacobs to some extent in tournaments, uh, just given the projected high ownership and uh, the you know fairly probable avenue to just poor game script for Josh Jacobs. So um, yeah, something to consider with him in tournaments. Moving on to wide receiver. Um, I'm really loving the high price receivers and, you know, definitely will be working to get, uh, you know, anywhere from one to two of those guys into many of my lineups. Uh, starting at the top, we have two guys that faced off against each other on Monday night, Hopkins and Michael Thomas. Uh, both looked awesome Monday night and just figured to command so much attention from their quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have really a strong take on which I prefer. They're so evenly priced, and I mean, they're just both such beasts uh, in terms of target command, uh, and, and you know, both both in the red zone and out of the red zone. So, I mean, I, I like both. Don't have a real strong take on which I prefer. Uh, might give a slight edge to Hopkins. Uh, you know, I do think he uh, Houston kind of pushes the ball downfield a little more than. Uh, New Orleans and and I think maybe Hopkins has a little more upside in that regard uh, given kind of his ability to to work downfield and uh, Deshaun Watson to look for him Uh, we do project Green Bay to throw the ball a lot and you know put up a lot of air yards I think that's kind of been their MO in the past Um, you know which which would uh, you know, play well for Devonta Adams, but I mean, I don't know. The guy draws a really tough matchup going against going up against Xavier Rhodes in Minnesota, and we didn't really see that much out of him in uh, Week One. So, not too high on Adams. Um, yeah, 
would much rather uh, pay down a little bit to get to Keenan Allen, who I think has projects to get a lot of looks his way, uh, given Hunter Henry being out and Mike Williams, I think, questionable leading coming into the week. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, LA is going to run out of guys to throw the ball to, and Keenan Allen uh, has always really absorbed a lot of targets from Phillip Rivers and no Hunter Henry, no Mike Williams. I think that could be the case again in week two. Uh, looking for a bounce back week from Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's wildly underpriced this week. Um, you know, he he is the alpha receiver now in Pittsburgh with Antonio Brown gone, and um, you know that's an offense that is going to air the ball out. And uh, you know, I think just in a more neutral game script, uh, I'm kind of expecting more out of the Pittsburgh offense, uh, especially kind of on the passing side. So Juju, I like a lot. Uh, and, you know, he does have access to just a really high ceiling given the, uh, you know, amount of volume he's expected to draw in the red zone and really all the way across the field. Uh, and then also right below Juju, Amari Cooper. Um, we You know, we talked about it with Dak. Uh, Dallas looking like a team that is going to want to throw the ball downfield a little more than we've seen in previous years. Um, it's a concerning game script and, uh, or, or, you know, a, there's a little bit of a concerning game environment uh, for Dallas's passing attack, but if uh, Washington can keep it close like they did with uh, Philadelphia in Week One, uh, I think it really sets up Amari Cooper nicely uh, for you know some some downfield volume uh, in in this Kellenmore offense. Sammy Watkins was uh, you know broke the slate last week with just his monster uh, game, almost uh, 50 DraftKings points, and uh, yeah, the price reflects it. I mean, he's up to 7,200. Um, I mean, with Tyreek Hill gone, Sammy Watkins definitely the go-to receiver. Uh, I definitely have some concerns just if ownership is super high on Watkins. Um, you know, he has let down in some of these spots in the past, and, uh, you know, if he's got super high ownership, I, I might be more inclined to uh, go with a guy like Kelsey, uh, who had a bit of a down week and uh you know maybe with had some had some unlucky breaks uh last week um but yeah i mean watkins definitely in play and um you know given given his lead receiver role the patriots receiving core um you know i'm having a hard time figuring out what to do with the patriots receiving core uh as discussed with brady they they have a lot of uh you know, point equity, uh, or, you know, kind of team total equity uh, built into the game environment, but um, I don't know, New England's, I think, always kind of tough, uh, just projecting who's going to get the lion's share of, you know, the fantasy goodness that they produce, and uh, I don't know, I thought not that long ago that maybe Antonio Brown would not play uh, this week, and you know, would really open up opportunities for, like, particularly Josh Gordon downfield. But now it looks like Brown uh, will play. And, I mean, even if it's in a limited role, uh, definitely have concerns about, uh, you know, him encroaching on some volume that we could have projected for a guy like Julian Edelman or Josh Gordon. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I might be staying away from New England receivers outside of stacking with Brady. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do think... Uh, you know, there is a lot of upside with, with uh, a guy like Josh Gordon who, you know, can work downfield or, or a guy like Edelman if he can just command, you know, all of 
New England's targets, maybe sharing some with James White, like under 10 yards. I mean, that could just, you know, be in line for a big 10 reception game. Uh, so, you know, we'll keep an eye on that and kind of see if we can get any better information on how much usage we can expect from Antonio Brown. Um, stack that I'm intrigued by, uh, you know, any one of the Rams guys with Goff, you know, who we discussed at quarterback. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Rams have three really good receivers, and I think it's sometimes tough just to figure out who um, who are going to be the guys to go with. Uh, I don't know. I historically have liked Brandon Cooks. I think he, uh, you know, has access to the same upside that a guy like Robert Woods has, but seems to have also more consistency. I think he, you know, Cooks and Woods have similar ceilings, but Cooks just has the higher floor. Um, And Cooper Cup, I think what he, you know, lacks in supreme upside makes up for uh, with just kind of his volume consistency and and is priced down a little bit from uh, Woods and Cooks. Um, I don't know. I see myself if I'm going to go with any of these guys probably going Cooks 1, Cup 2, uh, maybe sprinkling in a little bit of Woods there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very, you know, fertile uh, passing attack where, uh, you know, it's a team that could put up a lot of yards and points. Um, so I definitely don't think it's a uh, receiving core to ignore on account of, uh, you know, a not condensed receiving attack. Moving down to the low fives, I mean, not anyone that's, you know, really, uh, moving down a guy I'm very interested in, uh, you know, for pairing with, with quarterback I love is, uh, John Brown. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as discussed, Allen's a guy that's going to try to push it downfield and, uh, Brown just fits that mold so well, um, has kind of supplanted Robert Foster as the Bill's downfield threat and, um, I think has a good matchup against New York, which, uh, you know, just time and time again got torched last week by Cooper and Gallup uh, downfield. So, so I really like John Brown this week. And, um, yeah, we'll be looking to pair him with Josh Allen a lot. Moving along to tight end, uh, I have a pretty kind of condensed, I think, uh, universe of players that, that I'm going to consider at tight end. Uh you know, I see myself sprinkling in a little bit of the uh, top price guys, Kelsey and Kittle. Um, you know, both I think are clearly the premier tight ends in the league. Uh, maybe with Ertz in there as well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think just with my my interest in paying up for some of the premier wide receivers and uh, trying to also work some of the premier running backs like Kamara or uh, probably Saquon in my lineup. I guess I just see myself paying down at tight end this week and, um, you know, not so far down that, you know, I'm kind of dumpster diving uh, at the bottom of the pile. But at 5'2", I mean, I, I really like Evan Ingram. Uh, Sterling Shepard is expected to be out this week. Uh, Golden Tate suspended. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it's just like kind of who is Eli Manning going to pass the ball to. And we saw Evan Ingram get a ton of targets last week. I think it's easy to expect the same from him this week. And at 5-2, uh, I think he's priced still very well, even you know given the kind of modest price bump. Um, I mean, the other guy I think that you know will be heavily owned is uh, Darren Waller. Uh, we saw he was kind of a big part of the Oakland passing game on Monday, and his price has not come up. 
uh, from last week because of this Monday night effect. And uh, yeah, I think Waller makes a ton of sense. Got a great matchup against Kansas City. Uh, if you know Kansas City can get up early and force Oakland into a passing, uh, you know, pass first offense, I think Waller's in a really good spot. Um, another guy I call out just Delaney Walker. Uh, seems to be priced pretty low. Uh, you know, he's back and. I think will garner a lot of Tennessee's red zone looks for Mariota and, uh, you know, at a pretty decent uh, point projection. Intrigued by Waller, I, I'm sorry, intrigued by Walker. Um, I think he could be an interesting pivot, kind of around the same price point to Darren Waller. Um, but yeah, I see kind of most of my ownership condensing on those three guys um, at tight end. And defense, I don't know, I haven't looked super closely at uh, the defenses. Uh, I don't know, it's kind of position I, I typically prefer to pay down for uh, just because there's so much variance that goes into defense and, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like you kind of get, uh, you know, point-per-dollar equity at defense the way you do uh, at some of the other positions. Um, you know, I think Houston's kind of an interesting mid-price defense that uh, has a good matchup. You know, they're hopefully going to put Jacksonville behind early and force... Gardner Minshew to drop back a lot, and uh, I think that could be some good opportunities to force some turnovers, force some sacks, uh, you know, hopefully turning a, a couple, you know, one of those uh, sacks or uh, errant throws, I guess, into into a touchdown, which I think is what you're always looking for with defenses, so I do think Houston gives you a good opportunity to, uh, you know, hit one of those high-variance plays. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cincinnati is a team I'm looking at as well. Um, not really fully sold on Jimmy G as a, uh, you know, just stud quarterback. or Not even a stud, but just like a, you know, consistent quarterback. And with no Tevin Coleman, I think they might be forced into a little more pass-heavy an offense than we might expect. So, uh, again, that's kind of a defense that, that I might be interested in uh, from the standpoint of being able to get to the quarterback and uh, force turnovers. Uh, so, yeah, those are the two defenses I'm looking at. Probably continue to look uh, closer as Sunday nears uh, with thinking about some plays there. Um, so that's going to wrap it up this week. You know, quick, short little pod um, going over week two plays. We intend to be back next week, and um, hope you guys have a good uh, week two. And uh, we'll be back